Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the January 5th Board of Zoning Appeals meeting. My name is Luke Mortensen, and I'll be filling in for Catherine this month as the staff liaison to the Board of Zoning Appeals. I will work alongside the chair tonight to facilitate the meeting's proceedings. Uh, as always, this meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please mute yourself when not actively speaking. Please keep your video on for the duration of the meeting. If you're participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Um, as always, there will not be screen sharing as a part of tonight's meeting. All attachments, reference materials, and submissions from the public are included in the agenda packet. The chair will call for in-person and virtual public comment for those who wish to speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. Um, before I throw it back to the chair, I'll just make a note that um, between viruses and vacation, we're a little short staffed this month, and that's why I'm uh, I'm all by myself tonight, so um, I just ask for a little bit of grace. If it looks like I'm not paying attention, I'm probably doing something with the Zoom. So um, just know that I am I am hearing you all and seeing you all uh, while you're chatting with us. So with that, I will toss it back to the chair. All right. Um, welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, we will... Uh, proceed to start the meeting by sending it right back to Luke, who will um, call the roll to determine whether we have a quorum to proceed. Board Member Hill. Here. Board Member Rankin. Here. Board Member Herod. Here. Board Member Shalinsky. Here. Board Member Swearingen. Here. Board Member Palos. Here. And Board Member Matthews. Here. We have quorum. All right, this is uh, Board Member Shalinsky. Uh, thank you, Luke. Uh, the next item on our agenda is um, communications, uh, acknowledging communications to come before the board, uh, disclosure of any ex parte communications or abstentions for specific agenda items, and announcing any agenda items that will be deferred. So, uh, first of all, uh, acknowledging communications to come before the board. Is there anything beyond what is in the packet or what we will hear in public hearing? Luke Mortensen, Planning Development Services. Uh, any communications should be included as a part of tonight's agenda materials. Very good. Uh, does anyone have any ex parte communications to disclose or uh, intention to abstain from any of the items to be discussed tonight? OK, 
Okay, there appear to be uh, none. And uh, finally, uh, agenda items to be deferred. It appears that we have one item which was withdrawn by the applicant. So um, I don't think that's the same as a deferral. Correct. Um, uh, public hearing item number two um, had previously been deferred, uh, but it has since been uh, withdrawn by the applicant. That took place last month. Okay. Very good. Let's proceed then with um, the uh, public hearing on the one item for public hearing that is before us. Uh, it's to consider a request for a variance, uh, B-22-00341. Um, this uh, is a request for a variance uh, from parking standards. Uh, the uh, code calls for a uh, minimum number of spaces uh, uh, at uh, 21 spaces. Uh, the application is to reduce that requirement to four spaces um, in conjunction with uh, a development of a uh, quality restaurant use. Uh, at a property located at 900 Pennsylvania Street. Uh, this application was submitted by Patrick Watkins uh, on behalf of Severina Del Campo, the pro property owner of record. Uh, I'm going to uh, send this back to Luke to um, give the staff report and um, any other descriptions of this matter. All right, good evening again, board members, Luke Mortensen, Planner with Planning Development Services. As Chair Shalinski just noted, public hearing item number one is a variance from the off-street parking standards as expressed by Article 9 of the Land Development Code. The specific request is to reduce the required number of off-street parking spaces for a proposed quality restaurant use from 21 spaces to four spaces for the property address as 900 Pennsylvania Street. I will now briefly run through the five criteria. Um, criteria one focuses on unique conditions based in platting or zoning. This variance originates from the applicant's desire to establish a quality restaurant use within the existing building addressed as 900 Pennsylvania Street, as well as a proposed building addition. Staff does not believe that the subject property has unique conditions based on its platting or zoning. The subject property is a platted original town site lot with an area of approximately 5,850 square feet. Original town site lots are, like, are located throughout Old West Lawrence, East Lawrence, Pinckney, and the Oread neighborhoods. An analysis of the subject property's zoning history is located within the staff report. However, I'll note that it has maintained an industrial or manufacturing-based zoning district since the adoption of zoning in the city in 1927. 
While the subject property is directly adjacent to residential land uses and zoning districts, it has electively maintained its non-residential zoning status throughout a series of East Lawrence down zonings. Last month, the City Commission approved a rezoning of the subject property from the IG, that's our General Industrial District, to the IL, that's our Limited Industrial District. The rezoning was requested by the applicant in order to establish this proposed quality restaurant use, which is not permitted in the previously zoned IG, the General Industrial District. I'll refer mostly to the staff report for the analysis of the sub subject property's previously previous non-conforming status. However, in 2020, this board upheld the planning director's determination that the previous bar lounge use was abandoned and the property's non-conforming status forfeited. To conclude this section, the subject property has a traditionally shaped original town site lot that does not exhibit unique characteristics. Additionally, the subject property has electively maintained its industrial zoning district over time, including a recent applicant-driven rezoning to the limited industrial district. Finally, the board's determination in 2020 uh, that this property no longer maintains legal nonconforming status. Criteria two focuses on adverse effects upon the rights of adjacent property owners or residents. In staff's opinion, the requested variance would not adversely affect the rights of adjacent property, property owners or residents. Reducing the number of required off-street spaces would not restrict the existing adjacent detached dwelling and light equipment repair uses from maintaining their code compliance status. Criteria number three focuses on unnecessary hardship upon the applicant. Staff does not believe that requiring the applicant to provide the required number of off-street parking spaces rises to the level of unnecessary hardship as defined by Article 17 of the Land Development Code, which is also included in the staff report for your reference. The applicant could establish the proposed quality restaurant use within a building area or at a level of staffing that could be supported by its own off-street parking area. This proposed variance is an accommodation to a specific development that would allow an applicant to develop a property to a higher level of intensity than intended by the Land Development Code and does not constitute an unnecessary hardship. Criteria number four focuses on adverse effects on the public health, safety, morals, order, convenience, prosperity, and general welfare. In staff's opinion, granting this variance request may adversely affect the above listed items. Street parking where permitted within the East 9th and Pennsylvania Street rights of way is not allocated to specific properties or land uses and already provides additional overflow parking for existing residential and non-residential uses within the neighborhood and the, East, and the 8th and Penn District. Still, it is reasonable to expect that this proposed quality restaurant use could generate increased parking within the public right-of-way, which could be considered an inconvenience to adjacent residential land uses and users. Finally, criteria number five focuses on the general spirit and intent of the code. Staff does not believe the proposed variance aligns with the spirit and intent of Article 9 and the Land Development Code. The variance process is intended to equalize the development process for properties that are overburdened by unique characteristics and or where compliance with the land development code would constitute an unnecessary hardship. The variance as proposed would accommodate a proposed building addition and would alter the bundle of development rights awarded to this specific property. 
The land development code anticipates it may be difficult for some properties to provide fully compliant off-street parking areas. Therefore, there are multiple relief mechanisms within Article 9 and Article 13 of the Land Development Code. These include off-site and shared parking agreements, the provision of a range of parking um, above or below the required minimum amount, or an off-street parking waiver granted by the planning director. The, this variance, as proposed, does not align with the stated purpose or the general spirit and intent of Article 9 and the Land Development Code. To conclude, staff recommends denial of this variance request to reduce the required number of off-street parking spaces from 21 spaces to four spaces for a proposed quality restaurant use located at 900 Pennsylvania Street. As always, staff is available for questions and the applicant is with us on Zoom tonight as well. All right, thank you. Um, I would now turn it over to the board and uh, invite any of you who have questions for the staff to uh, ask them at this time. Anybody have questions? I, I have a couple of questions. This is Tressa. Um, I was looking at the zoning map and wanted to confirm in East Lawrence, I thought I only saw one other uh, light industrial uh, uh, zone, uh, the Decade Cafe. Is that true? Um, I can pull up our interactive map and take a look, um, but I do see a little bit of um, IL, the light industrial to East of, uh, or excuse me, to the, yeah, to the northeast of the subject property, kind of in the upper right-hand corner of figure one. Um, it's IL-UC, so that's the limited industrial district with uh, uh, an overlay on top. So there is other IL in the neighborhood. Right. And, and that has uh, UC with it, right? Urban. Urban uh, conservation. Urban. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, that was one thing I wanted to ask. Um, and uh, the other thing, when I was thinking of the neighborhood, uh, East Lawrence neighborhood, are there, and I was driving the streets, are there many unused or ab abandoned buildings? Um, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. Um, but do you have an, a specific area in mind and I can I can do a little bit of research? Uh, well, the East Lawrence itself, uh, you know, was something I was thinking of and uh, and and I didn't see uh, any. It doesn't mean that there aren't any there. Yep, I, I, I just don't think I'm prepared to. Um, answer that question at this moment. If you are thinking in terms of if there are other buildings where maybe they could um, park or, or do some sort of parking agreement, that may be a better que better question for uh, Mr. Watkins when he speaks. I, I believe he's done some research on that um, for this property. And so he can, he can add to that. Got it. I'll do that. Um, okay. You answered that one question. Um, and a general question, if you could help us understand 
where you see uh, the warehouse district itself expanding in the future. Do you see that or are those boundaries for the next whatever set? So the the eighth and pen kind of that pinpointed area is pretty identified. It has a um, kind of a special overlay on top of it that is shown with those lines, those hatches. So that's a special zoning component that goes above and beyond the base zoning district. I don't um, myself envision that changing um but we have talked about at the last couple of meetings um the east lawrence neighborhood plan is underway at this time and so that will not change zoning itself um but it could provide recommendations or plans for land use decisions and zoning decisions in the future and that would be for the broader east lawrence neighborhood which would include the subject property okay so that's what I have right now. Thanks, Tressa. Uh, does anyone else have any questions for the staff? Yes, I do. This is Dean. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, Luke, this is for you. Uh, you mentioned that there were options on parking, and could you go back over that? Uh, just mm -hmm. kind of great. And related to that is, did the applicant ask for any of these options? Yes. So the first option I mentioned was um, shared or offsite parking agreements. Um, our code in in Article Nine has a specific section dedicated to um, offsite parking lots or shared parking with other land uses. There are a number of criteria related to um, you know time of users um, and their peak parking habits, distance to the subject property. Um, elements like that that would have to be reviewed and approved as part of a site plan um, but there are options for parking for providing your required parking at a different location so that was that first option the second option i noted was um, for most non-residential uses um, our article 9 was fairly recently amended so that they can now provide um, a range from um, below the minimum or above the minimum. And that range differs based on the size of the parking lot. Um, but uh, they could provide a certain percentage below what's required or a certain percentage above what's required. And I know um, Catherine mostly worked with Patrick on this application, and I do believe at the very beginning they discussed the range option, and I'm not sure it totally helped them out in this instance. Um, and then the final option was a uh, waiver from the planning director, and the planning director has um, some some flexibility for uh, granting waivers from site planning uh, and land development code standards, um, not everything. Um, and he will often review waiver requests for parking. Typically, it's for much smaller amounts, maybe one to three parking spaces. Um, if you're very close, uh, he will generally consider those. Anything above that, you know, one to three number, he'll he'll typically defer to the Board of Zoning Appeals and is more comfortable with you guys making that decision. 
Okay. It, so is it my understanding that this the, that issue is more of a site plan procedure than it is at this time, or it's not part of this? Yeah, most most of all those options that we just listed would would kind of be ironed out during the site planning process, and then would be noted and formalized on that ultimately approved site plan. Well, would that provide the aven uh, another avenue for the applicant then? Um, that might be a, a better a question for Pat. I'm not sure any of those ultimately worked out for this lot. Okay. All right. Thank you. Do any other board members have additional questions for the staff? Okay, uh, hearing none, uh, I will now uh, invite the applicant to uh, make a statement and then answer questions. Thank you, Chairman Shalinsky. This is Patrick Watkins. I am an attorney here in town. I'm here on behalf of Brad Ziegler. He is the owner of record. Um, he wasn't able to join us tonight. Um, this this hearing got rescheduled a couple of times, but um, I do see that Mike Myers is on the call too. He's part of our team. He is an architect. He works at Hernley and Associates. He lives in East Lawrence like I do, um, and he's the designer on this project. Um, I saw you all a couple of months ago. Uh, we talked about the Turnhalla project at 900 Rhode Island. Um, it was a massive variance request, and um, you all granted it at that time. We're moving east down 9th Street, a few blocks to 900 Pennsylvania. Um, it's a different property, but sort of strikingly, these two requests have a number of resounding similarities. Like Turnhalla, this is a very old stone building that ought to be saved. Um, it's in the heart of East Lawrence and it's suffered from long-standing vacancy, it suffered from neglect, and it has found a new steward that is ready to breathe new life into an old building. Um, if everything works out, this is a remarkable preservation achievement, saving a building that's otherwise exposed from historic protections. It's on a corner parcel, just like the turn hall. It's not particularly large lot. This parcel has been used commercially as a restaurant and a bar over the past several decades. It doesn't appear to have had anything other than commercial uses of some sort. The parking dynamic is not dramatically different from Turnhalla either. Um, the parcel obviously is not capable of providing parking needed for commercial uses. It cannot carry that burden. Um, it has a big enough building, although it's not like Turnhalla in the sense that it takes the building takes up the whole lot. It's just not able to provide it. Um, we can go through some of that analysis and I'm sure Mike can discuss that. Um, but in other, in other similarities to Turnhalla, it is adjacent to a district that has shared parking requirements. The 8th and Penn District has a shared parking dynamic. It has angled parking on both sides of Pennsylvania, a number of public stalls, uh, even an, an off-street lot that's public, uh, that's designed to carry shared parking burden. Turnhalla, similarly, in comparison, is next to the downtown commercial district. I know that was um, a, a point of some significance in that discussion. 
You might also recall that in the turn hall discussion, there was a parking lot across the street that was reserved for use of the turn hall. In this case, again, sort of strikingly, we have a parking lot across the street and it's across the alley as well. It's catty corner from this Charlie's spot, but it's a surface parking lot. It's owned by Tony Kresnick. It's privately owned. Um, the developer, my client, Brad Ziegler, went out of his way to secure a lease agreement to use that parking lot, all contingent upon getting these necessary approvals for use, which we recently received. But that similarity is sort of striking. We have a 37, I believe, uh, space parking lot across the street that's reserved for the use by Charlie's. Now, that parking lot is used primarily by office users in the poultry building, which is at 832 Pennsylvania. Daytime parkers primarily. Um, some people that end up going to beer company may use it. Um, that's technically unauthorized use because it's a private lot, but I don't think there's any enforcement taking place at this time. Um, unfortunately, because that lot is designated in the 8th and Pennsylvania design guidelines for future development, it does not meet all the requirements for off-street parking agreements noted in the code. So it does not eliminate our parking requirement uh, for, for this commercial use on, on a quality restaurant, uh, but it is a significant factor in this application. Uh, we, we feel like we have all of the parking necessary for the feasibility of this project right now, all of the off-street parking. There's some differences from the Turnhalla project. This re request tonight is for a reduction from 21 spaces down to four. It's much smaller request than what we were talking about with Turnhalla. And as Luke noted, um, these parking requirements are set by code. It's based upon one space for every 100 square feet of service area, plus one space for every employee on the largest shift. We estimated 1,620 square feet of service area. This is not a dramatically large space. 1,620 feet is very similar, uh, if not smaller than culinaria. Um, it's probably about the same size as Bonbon. Bon. And I think Mike Myers can, can attest to some of these things if you have questions about them. Ultimately, this is, an all, this is all in an effort to get smaller neighborhood commercial uses like what this property used to be when Charlie's operated here. It's exactly the, the type of project that the city is striving for, friendly neighborhood commercial activity, a place for neighborhood residents to walk, enjoy a brunch on Sunday or an evening meal. This is a goal of our strategic planning documents. It's noted as one of the dynamic attributes of the East Lawrence strategic or neighborhood plan. It's a goal of our long-term planning documents. And so our application is based upon a lot of the feedback that we've received over the last several months of going through a rezoning of this property, rezoning it from general industrial down to light industrial to allow quality restaurant to operate at this uh, location. Staff noted that this property may have been used commercially as long as anyone can remember. In 2020, as staff noted, there was a non-conforming use determination that the existing Charlie's could no, did not operate consecutively for 12 months and that non-conforming use was extinguished. Um, and so again, we had to go through this rezoning to get quality restaurant allowed at this site. It started with meetings with city staff and the planning staff. It included visits with uh, the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association. It included engaging with neighbors and discussing how this property is going to transition from the commercial uses on the north to the residential uses on the south. 
It included a number of design changes and refinements, a very large reduction in the size of the proposed addition, a number of protection to re residential neighbors. And, and frankly, I'm really pleased to report and to be a part of this project because these efforts from the developer, from Mike Myers, were met with support at every level. The planning staff supported our rezoning application. The planning commission uh, recommended approval. The city commission uh, unanimously approved quality restaurant use here by light industrial zoning designation. Um, this is all noteworthy because I think there's a suggestion in the staff report that these uses are not appropriate and, and that's how they reach their findings. But this process that we've been through over the last six months to rezone this property is really a remarkable one in that everyone we ended up talking to because we did this process in the ways uh, that transitioned into the neighborhood that respected the residential character of the neighbor neighborhood, they all supported quality restaurant. Uh, this, again, the city commission unanimously supported a rezoning into IL based upon our our proposed use of uh, quality restaurants. You all have heard uh, staff's perspective on our application, and, and at some level, I understand that Luke and, and Catherine have a job to do. They cannot support every parking variance that, that comes up, um, and it really bring, brings me no pleasure to disagree with them. Um, but there are some statements in that staff report that I think I'm, I'm compelled to address with you all. Um, so, so I'll just mention a few of those, but we did su submit a, a thorough and comprehensive application. A lot of these statements are included in our uh, application. Um, the staff reports that the, the parking shortage for this parcel has been induced by the applicant. Um, by the applicant's proposal for a quality restaurant. And, and I, I just have to strongly disagree. This property has been a restaurant for over four decades. Um, it, it has had a lapse and it's been vacant for some time, but it is the city that has subjected this property to new design, zoning designations on two different occasions. It was not the Del Campos, it was not the Ziegler, Mr. Ziegler, who are creating new requirements for this parcel. It is the city's zoning code, which places these burdens upon the property. But even if we were to assume that the property owner should keep up with the city's changing zoning codes. We've played by the rules and we sought rezoning, like I mentioned, and the city leadership has resoundingly supported it. Uh, to suggest that this use is inappropriate is a striking contradiction to the feedback that we've received up to this point from city leadership. Staff report indicates that the addition that's being proposed here is unnecessarily large. Um, again, I strongly disagree. Uh, the rezoning process reduced the size of this building dramatically. Uh, the resulting design is the smallest possible addition that could be created, uh, maintaining a shred of feasibility for the project. Much of the feedback that we received during this rezoning was whether or not this addition was adequate size to make a feasible uh, restaurant out of this building. Um, the addition is going to be a requirement under every possible rehabilitation scenario for this property. ADA requirements, bathroom requirements, fire code requirements, building code requirements, all of these things will trim this square footage down. All of these things must be met uh, when this property gets rehabilitated. The SAP has suggested that the applicant could rehab the building without a, an addition and fit all of the necessary parking on site. Again, this we, we disagree with this. This is probably not even realistic to think about this, but to begin with, operating a 600 square foot restaurant at this site is just not realistic. 
we also know that the city won't allow the existing building to operate without a range of improvements. The, the same improvements that I've mentioned, building code uh, review, ADA improvements, fire code, all of which likely will require some massive configurations. Um, it's also factually inaccurate to say that the existing building uh, could fit uh, a rehab of the existing building uh, with parking accommodation on the site could, could happen. Um, the staff's analysis suggests that there's 600 square feet of service area. There's actually a thousand square feet on the existing building. The front porch is, is for over 400 square feet. Um, and that's not included in the staff's analysis. The staff suggests that we could get by with six parking spaces and fit them all in the back of the lot. It's not possible. There's there's a thousand square feet of service area and there'd be at least four service um, employees on the largest on the largest shift. That that's 14, 13 to 14 parking spaces. Under every scenario, if this existing building were to be rehabilitated, it would require a parking variance of some sort. Um, I think the staff has a number of statements that I could object to. I think they um, they try to make the statement that this property is not unique. And I, I really have a hard time hearing that. It's unlike any building on its block. It's notably abandoned and vacant, which there aren't many of. It's zoned IL on a block that has only a, a residential otherwise. It's been used commercially as long as anyone can remember. And it's absolutely incapable of carrying its own parking for commercial uses. This is a unique property without a doubt. Again, I, I don't want to engage in too much uh, detailed review of the staff report uh, when there's so many positive things about this project. It, it'll add another neighborhood restaurant similar in nature to Culinaria, to Bon Bon, to Lawrence Beer Company, which I think the community has resoundingly supported. Um, it fits in line with all of our planning documents. Um, it will save a landmark stone building that's otherwise unprotected. It builds upon the success of the neighborhood district, uh, which is perhaps one of the most exciting warehouse districts in the state. And it provides all the parking that it could provide in this case, uh, four spots on site, and it secured a parking lease with a neighboring property. The, re the remaining parking that could result uh, from the street parking will be minimal in nature and, and just won't impact the ability for residences to access their property, all of which have alley access to garages on the backside of the property. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you all may have. I know this is a, a bit technical of a review, um, but uh, I'm really proud to be a part of this project and, and provide any information that, that you all can uh, need for your determinations. All right, thank you. Um, do any members of the board have any questions for Mr. Watkins? I have a couple questions, Mr. Chair, if you'll allow it. Please. Um, Patrick, both you and Luke reminded us that this property came through back in 2020 when it lost the non-conforming status. Um, but that wasn't your project, and you didn't represent the Del Campos, did you? I did not. You're correct. Right. Um, so you might not really have any memory of that particular um, that particular conversation. I remember a couple things that I want to ask you about. Is one, I remember that 
one of the things we talked about this the property was going to need a substantial amount of work inside to make it con to make it conforming to do to really do just about anything in it it was just really far gone is what i remember um and that had been a uh, that had been a barrier to the former owners being able really to you know keep it open they'd essentially been shut down by the health department and then the second thing i remember is there was a lot at least as i remember there was a lot of input from the surrounding neighbors well this time i see we have we have a letter from the east lawrence neighborhood association and another letter from uh, an llc that's doing something on pennsylvania street i guess so one can you confirm that am i right as far as there there need to be a substantial amount of of remediation done inside this property to really do anything useful with it yeah absolutely and th that is the case i walked through it the other day um it's not in a position to be a commercial use without substantial investment um it's the sort of investment that the current owner is not in a position to put forth um, you might remember from from that hearing, I mean, he, Charlie has had some health issues. He wasn't able to dedicate himself fully to the property and, and um, he sought investment and he sought a new owner. Um, and then, so you said that you engaged with both, you said you engaged with some some folks regarding this project and got a lot of positive feedback, but I really am sitting here, I'm a little, it's really interesting to me that I don't see any late any I don't think I see anybody on this zoom call from the neighborhood and I don't see any any letters in our packet from the neighborhood from the neighbors is am I I'm not missing anything am I Patrick or Luke we, well, we do we do have one member of the public okay so we got one yep. person okay I'll be I'll be interested to hear what they have to say but Patrick yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't want to mislead anybody. There, there were objections to the rezoning. Um, we focus most of our attention on Bruce and Jackie. Uh, Bruce Eggers and Jackie Counts live right next door. Uh, I met with them personally probably half a dozen times. Um, we created a range of um, uh, protections for their property, and we unilaterally did that and just offered it to them, one of which was to to offer to buy them storm windows. They they had concerns about sound. Um, we, we don't have the same concerns because we've designed the building and, and plan to design the building in a way that really buffers the, the residential neighborhood. But we offered to put up up to $5,000 worth of storm windows on their house, which they don't currently have. Um, some of their windows don't support it, but we committed to facing everything to the north. We committed to co-authoring the landscape and buffer yards uh, with J Bruce and Jackie. Uh, we committed to working out the lighting and sound systems uh, to make sure it doesn't create any sort of um, contradicting uses and expectations for the neighborhood. It, it was a pretty thorough discussion. I mean, Bruce and Jackie never found themselves in a position to support the project, and a number of neighbors came out um, and opposed the project. Um, it's a testament to the planning process in some respects, in my opinion, that um, we had a thorough discussion. Some of these decisions aren't easy, uh, but we did get in, in what I would characterize as resounding support uh, from the decision makers. Um, a number of people I know were meeting independently on that 900 block of Pennsylvania, and I think they sort of had sort of organized support is what I would characterize it as. 
Um, and obviously we met with the neighborhood association. I've been in touch with um, their leadership and been available to them if they had any questions or comments, but we presented at one of their meetings and sought feedback. Um, one of the, I mean, we had a planning commission meeting and we had a city commission meeting. So there's been some thorough dialogue. We probably had a dozen neighbors out. Um, I don't want to discount the positive support. It's not easy to get people to come out of their and find their way uh, to support a project like this. The, the planning commission probably had four letters of support, uh, not all resident resident neighbors, but um, we know that we have support in that commercial district to the north in the warehouse district. Um, we know that there are people on Pennsylvania that support this project. Um, certainly, um, the Planning Commission, the City Commission was mostly about objections and making sure uh, that concerned neighbors were being heard and that uh, steps were being taken, taken to make sure that this wouldn't impose upon the residential nature of that block. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I have one question. Um, and that is with regard to the ownership of the property. Uh, has Mr. Ziegler acquired actual title, or is this still sort of a um, conditional or provisional thing that has not been completed yet? It's my understanding he closed um, right before the end of the year. So he is the owner of the property. Okay, thank you. And Barry, I'll just note that sometimes those ownership changes do take a week or two to show up from the county's parcel data. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm gonna take Mr. Watkins at his word on that. Um, but, you know, clearly like the application was under the name of the previous owner and um i just wanted to clarify the status of things uh do any other board members have any questions for the applicant i do I a question oh. go ahead i'm just curious um you've indicated that there is a lease um with um a neighboring uh business owner for parking uh, do we have any information regarding the length of that lease? I think you're Patrick. muted. Patrick, you're on mute. Yeah, thanks. It's got to happen at least once a meeting. Um, there is a lease agreement, um, yeah. and it is perpetual, um, but both parties have the right to terminate. Um, both parties needed that. There's a there's a timeline for termination um, that gives Brad essentially the opportunity to go find replacement parking. Um, but it is a sizable surface lot. It's right across 9th Street. It's it, catty corner from this spot. Um, the reason it doesn't comply with the off-street parking agreements um, that the code calls for is because this property could develop at some point in time. And um, there may be some ways to shoehorn that in to a site plan, um, but we didn't think it was appropriate. Um, in this case, uh, we have no, we know of no plans to develop that site. Um, we think that the parking will be there 
for as long as, as is needed. And to the extent it goes away, um, Brad's concept will simply require that he go seek and find some additional offsite parking. Um, you know, so, some patrons won't require parking because they'll be walking to this place. And hopefully that's what we're all striving for is reduced parking anyway with neighborhood commercial restaurants. Um, but Brad desires to provide off-street parking for most of his patrons, or at least the option. Um, so notwithstanding any code requirement, we always think it's going to be part of our feasibility on this project to supply off-street parking in whatever form uh, it comes. This happens to be the closest, uh, most reasonable and appropriate parking that can be found, in, and it's been secured. Thank you. I have a question. Uh, Patrick, what, who, who's making the decision that, that uh, you can't do this? You can't use that because of the anticipated reuse of the property. And it just seems like that's kind of speculative on everybody's part. And I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that as a cause for if someone can meet a requirement and there's some prospect that in the near future, in the long distance future, that they that parking will go away. I'm not sure. I, I don't know quite how to assess that. Uh, I think the point is, is that if you can provide the parking right now with that uh, lease agreement, and Luke, I guess this is for you too. Uh, I don't understand why that doesn't satisfy the the terms here at least in other words if the lot is sold my assumption is is that uh the owner of the charlie's is going to have to find some other alternative but that comes up at that point that would be a violation of the of the city's code that he wouldn't he wouldn't and and there'd be a different avenue i suppose to address that but yeah yeah this is it's a great question it's a great question, and I'll give you two answers. One is, from a procedural perspective, we secured the, the lease uh, with Tony Kresnick, and it wasn't hard. He's looking for users of that parking lot, and this is a very appropriate user. It matches well with the timing of his other users. Um, they signed it, and they agreed to a couple of things in that agreement. Um, the off And so we submitted it to the city. The city, uh, I think, reviewed it indicated that there's two reasons why it does not comply with their criteria for off-street parking agreements. One is that it's indefinite in nature, and if it were to terminate, um, then your parking requirement term or, or is put back into place. I think that would be acceptable on its own. Um, but the second reason is that the parking lot across the street, for reasons probably totally unrelated, it has not been site planned. Um, and you have to site plan a parking lot before they will count it for your credit. Site planning process is a little bit burdensome in this case. The site plans for parking lots in this district, one, have to have parking islands with landscaping. Uh, they have to meet surface requirements. They probably have to have curbs, gutters, lighting. Um, we're talking about probably many thousands of dollars worth of just engineering, but also improvements. Um, and then there's, sorry to burden this, but there was a third reason. 
there is a shared parking dynamic in that district. And I don't think the, uh, the technical review has occurred, but for every parking space that is taken up by another use, it counts towards the overall use of those parking spaces within that district. Um, as long as the district maintains a surplus of parking, people can continue to develop. Um, if they need to, for instance, the Quonset hut, which is at 8th Street, will develop at some point. Um, it will have to carry its own parking burden, but it could use some open public parking spaces on another lot. Um, so in this case, the analysis hasn't been made about whether or not we're going to infringe upon other people's park uses on this particular lot. So there's sort of a three-part test, that, and we fail all three of them. So we just said, we'll try and get the variance. Thank you. I, I should say, Luke, if you hear anything that sounds inaccurate there, I, I'd ask that you correct it. Uh, no, I, I think you covered it. Um, I was going to tack on to the end um, for Board Member Hill. The eighth and uh, eighth and pen design guidelines are design guidelines overlay similar to Oriad and Downtown guidelines, and I'll be happy to email them to you after. They're they're quite long and they're not located in the code. But to Patrick's point, these design guidelines have specific parking area standards in addition to um, the land development codes standard regular parking standards. And he touched on some of those landscaping, lighting, surfacing, curb gutter, those those types of things. So, uh, yeah, Patrick covered it. I have uh, a couple of questions. Uh, go ahead. Um, if did I understand correctly, Patrick, that uh, you think that currently that there can only be four cars parked on this lot, or can it be six or eight? If there were no um, additions added to the back, I think. You could fit more if there was not an addition on the back. You could probably do four on each side of that entrance. We had a design that pulled parking in off the alley and we could fit five spaces. Um, there was objection to that from some neighbors. And so we made an adjustment and we didn't pull parking in off the alley. Um, it's coming off of 9th Street. Um, so theoretically, if, if that parking was shifted, there, there's a schematic late in the application packet or the packet that you all can see with some of our design renderings. Um, we show four, if that was pushed to the east shore, you might be able to put four along the alley without changing access from 9th Street. And uh, if you did not have an addition, and you focused on the 600 square feet for both the basement and the first floor, plus the 400, I was wondering about the deck. So thanks for bringing that up. If you were to put a deck in up front, how much space would you have then for customers in total? After this slightly an architectural question, but once you have your handicap entrance, an elevator uh, for the handicap, the stairs, the kitchen, storage, code storage, mechanical closet, how much space are you left with then without an addition? 
you know, I, Mike is on the call and I'll let him follow up with my answer, but, you know, I think your basement's going to be accessibility, cold storage, bathrooms, um, your main floor, you still have a bar there. Um, but I think you're looking in the six, 600 square foot range. Um, and I'm not sure if you all could, I, I wish you all could walk into this building because the outline on these designs doesn't do it justice. Those walls are two feet thick with stone. So you lose two feet on every edge. We're talking about, I mean, this is like a closet <laughs> in a sense. I mean, we're talking about the inside of Bonbon bon, if you've ever been there. You can't hold that many people. Um, I, I'd say it's 600 square feet. Um, you have the front parking or that front porch, theoretically, which is 400 square, square feet or so, the existing one at least. We are still committed to taking that off. It's not something that the neighbors seem to like, and, and we think it ought to go away just because it, it has sort of a front-facing, you know, residential side to it. But if you added those two together, right, I mean, I think you're going to this place, you get a thousand square feet, that's 10, 10 parking spaces that you'd have to have. That's without considering the employee parking burden that you're also supposed to carry. Um, does that answer the question, Tristan? Yeah, yes. And I guess for Luke, when you're when you have a building this size uh, and recognizing the neighbor's uh, requirements not to come in off the alley, for example, if you're not adding on, can can you identify multiple potential uses in limited industrial for this building? I'm trying to figure out what the feasibility of the building is for other uses. Yes. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, I'll just note that parking could be taken off the alley. That's not a code restriction. Um, it sounds like it's more of a neighbor request or preference. So parking could come off the alley. Um, as far as allowed uses in the IL district, um, there's quite a few. Those are all located in Article 4. A lot of the uses that are allowed in the IL district by their very nature have use restrictions, um, and those could be additional standards above and beyond the regular standards. And some of those use restrictions paired with such a small lot, that original town site lot, that does limit what you can do on the property. Um, but if, if it's in four, in article four, the use table, and it's a permitted use, technically the code would permit a number of uses on that site, quality restaurant being one of them. And I will also just note, because we talked about it, um, customer service area does count towards off-street parking requirements, both interior and exterior. So that is why we're, we're talking about decks so much. That would also apply to a patio at Starbucks or, you know, exterior is seen the same as interior.
Is Barry frozen? Um, he might be. Let's check. I think that's a moment in time frozen there. He just dropped out, so let's give him a minute to come back in. So in the instance that he doesn't come back, or if you would like to continue discussion, um, the vice chair could continue that. Remind us, who is the vice chair? Can I ask the same question? I believe that's me. I figure we give him a minute or two and move on. Okay. You know, am I uh, close, Luke? I actually counted how many parking spaces uh, might be available in that general area. You mean, you know, the city lot, the angled parking along Delaware um, and Pennsylvania, plus the leased lot. Um, am I in the ballpark move with over 180 spaces? So we did not do a parking analysis for the 8th and Penn district as part of this BZA request, just because we haven't seen um, any formals, uh, any studies submitted as part of that site plan that Pat was talking about. So um, at this point, I can't confirm that number for you. Based on my our past history and, and, and observation, I think you're in the ballpark, though. I also noticed that you had both, that there are both um, housing and businesses that have their own parking. That's correct. Um, I will stay uh, as high level as I can because I was not directly involved, but recently there um, was a de planning director determination um, that parking serving off street parking serving specific uses in the 8th and Penn district is not required to share that uh, the on street parking and then, you know, the public off street parking is shared. And that's what Pat was talking about. Right, right. But it, but that parking for both business that's designated specifically for businesses and housing, that does reduce the need for parking in the district, the overall need. It could if, it, if it's going towards their own requirements, yes. Got it. Thanks. Uh. This is Barry Shalinsky. Uh, first of all, I apologize that I seem to keep getting disconnected. Um, for staff and uh, 
Mr. Watkins, uh, just to clarify, uh, this property is not within the district, it's adjacent to it, is that correct? That's correct. And, and to um, Board Member Hill's earlier question, expanding the district would require commission approval from the Planning Commission, the City Commission. Um, it would be a, a multi-step, multi-approval process. Um, are there other board members who have questions for the applicant? Yes, this is Dean again. Uh, just question. I, East Lawrence, I didn't see the uh, the letter from them. I guess I just overlooked it. But can somebody tell me what uh, what their response was to this request, or did they have what, a specific response? Uh, East Lawrence neighborhood. 38. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Oh, they're just on page 38. And they, um, the East Lawrence Association said uh, they would deny the request to reduce parking requirements from 21 to 4. Would be inclined to support the variance had they chosen a more neighborhood friendly zoning designation, such as CN1. So to accommodate pedestrian oriented small scale retail. And then we had a letter from pages 38 and 39. Another one's from the Penn Street Line LLC. Okay. Were they in support of it? No? Okay. I'm sorry. I, I missed those two last pages, I guess. Thank you. Did we have someone there to talk to, you said, Luke, a member of the public? Yes, and if the chair is ready to move to public comment, we can we can do that. Well, uh, I'm I am ready, but I don't know whether the board is ready because procedurally, what we do is we um, ask questions of the applicant before we open the public hearing. So, um, once the board members are done with questions, we can. Proceed with the next step. Okay, any more questions for the applicant? Okay, let's proceed with the public hearing then. Um, I'm not seeing any Zoom commenters, so uh, if you're ready for um, in person public comment, we can begin with that. Very good. Good evening. Um, I'm Marcy Francisco. I live at 1101 Ohio, um, but I am a member of Penn Street Line LLC. Um, and that LLC is the owners of the property at 901 Pennsylvania across the street and the neighboring community garden. Phil Collison, our registered agent, submitted a letter objecting to the approval of this request. Um, as a business, we're pleased to be able to provide affordable housing and the land for the garden. Our current tenor, tenants 
do rely on street parking for their visitors, this shared parking would um, create some burden for them. Um, I noted that um, a comment was made that no one was around to remember this before it was commercial, except um, I was here. And in fact, I was serving on the city commission um, in uh, 1979 to 83, just before um, my term, the owner had applied to um, make this property renovated as a residential property. And the city denied that request because um, the land was zoned manufacturing. And so that's really an awkward situation because the building itself had never been um, commercial um, before that. Um, my concerns um, are that um, this parking is dependent on a lease. Um, I think the uh, Project applicants have very good intentions, but in fact, if this zoning variance is granted, um, there would be no requirement to provide parking above those four spaces. So if something happened to the lease across the street, not a problem. And I'm hoping staff can confirm um, that that would be the case. This has been an awkward issue of zoning. Um, I did attend the planning commission and I watched um, the city commission. In both cases, they um, referenced that the application was essentially for a down zoning. It was to take general industrial to this light industrial. And so I think that's some of the support um, for that change in zoning. But in fact, um, the planning staff um, did not recommend commercial for this property because it would not fit with the commercial guidelines that we have and the requirement that um, the commercial um, nodes be a certain amount uh, of distance apart. So um, I think this is significantly different from the application for the turn holly um, that was not built as a residence this um, particular property was um, so i do appreciate the comments made um, in the staff report i think the job of the boarding board of zoning appeals is to find that it meet the criteria um, and i think there were very valid arguments made by the staff that this application does not meet those criteria and i would ask that you deny it i think as we've heard there are other avenues that the um, applicant has um, including purchasing land for parking that would allow them to make this use i'd be happy to stand for any questions Do any board members have any questions for uh, Marcy Francisco? Yeah, I, I have one question. I thought I read 
that uh, this building, when it was built, at the time of construction, the subject property was zoned light industrial. Was housing allowed in light industrial at the time? Was this building a house at that time or going to be a house? I can reference our 2020 um, staff report, which did a, a much deeper zoning history on that. Um, and so if you give me a few minutes, I can pull that up. Sounds good. Um, I believe this is working on that. Um, it's my belief that it was probably built prior to there being any zoning. It's a pretty old building, but we'll we'll see what he says. Well, the staff report says it was built in 1940 and would have fallen under the 1935 zoning guides, whatever that would have limited it to. Right. If you'll excuse me, I'm just it's it takes me a while to log into the network, but I'm getting there. So while Luke is looking, I looked up the uh, non residential district use table district. And there's some interesting things you can do by right. You can have mobile homes. Right. Uh, you can have a college or university. Right. In a uh, special permit, you could have a detention facility. Okay. Boater RV rental, boater ivory storage, heavy equipment rental, heavy equipment repair, kennel, livestock sale. You have a fast food drive through. Board member Herod. Uh I do have a comment on that if you guys would allow me just to speak just for a second. I might save you some time. Um, is that all right, board member Shalinsky? Uh It's fine with me if sure if Travis is finished. Yeah, just to save some time, this was a conditional zoning. We eliminated most of the high intensity industrial uses off of the use list for light industrial. So we are, we have down zoned into light industrial, but we have removed like 14 uses. Some of the ones you're you're mentioning, um, the heinous ones we're not allowed to do because um, it's a conditional zoning. Well, I think that actually kind of gets to my concern, which is, you know, what are we supposed to do with this lot? Yeah. So, so um, uh, excuse me, I pulled up our staff report from the 2020 admin determination case um we referenced a sanborn map from 1905 which uh had this as a, a a dwelling a stone dwelling unit now the fact that the county says 1940 is not uh totally crazy um oftentimes when you get to go that far back, they will begin referencing a major um, project or or something like that. So it's possible that an addition was in 1940 or a major upgrade was in 1940. Um, but but our, our 2020 research shows that at least in 1905, it was a stone dwelling.
Okay, and was there an answer to your question, Travis? I mean, and especially what what can you do with the lot? Can I come in on that? Um, just as um, this applicant made a request for rezoning, it's possible to make an additional request for rezoning. So it would be possible to ask for this property to be zoned residential and use um, the building in for the reason that it was first constructed. So um, I don't know that the city commission or the planning commission would want to initiate that. Um, it might be considered a taking, but it's certainly a possibility for the applicant. I don't, I don't think just because we, um, at one point when the zoning was adopted said, this is a manu we expect this to be a manufacturing area. And at that time, I think they were trying to get away from mixed use. We've had this same problem in North Lawrence where there was a lot of property um, zoned industrial that had um, single family houses on it. So, um, the um, owner who wanted to renovate it as a residence was denied. Um, they were told one use could be a bar. Um, the East Lawrence neighborhood objected to it becoming a bar, but it, it certainly um, wasn't operated in a way that was detrimental to the neighborhood. But again, the Board of Zoning Appeals is supposed to look at the conditions of the property and whether it meets the requirements for a variance. This property is not unique. Um, this doesn't create an unnecessary hardship. This would allow a higher use of intensity. Um, the street parking that would be used if it's closer than the parking across the street could be considered um, an inconvenience. I hope that you as members of the Board of Zoning Appeals um, pay attention to um, the requirements and the conditions that have to be met, especially when there have been objections um, to this use. Um, I do know that uh, many of the neighbors believe that it would be possible to have a small restaurant here or another use, but they have been told that it would be impossible to make it that use conditional uh, for time. They were worried about it being um, open until midnight or 2 a.m. There's no way to have conditions about noise. So there are concerns from the neighbors. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Marcy. Uh, Patrick, you wanted to comment? Yeah, I mean, if, if there's going to be continued um, suggestions about residential use, I, I just feel the need to, to remark on that. Um, and I know Marcy's spoken earlier about this, but I don't think we have a great indication that it's ever been used residentially. Uh, Sanborn maps suggest that it was a dwelling. 
but this was one of the most heavily industrial used areas in the city. Um, we've done a lot of research uh, working uh, for other members and other owners of the in the warehouse arts district. There was a fur trader on Ninth and Delaware until like the 1960s. Um, there was salvage yards. Um, we have pictures of this property with stonemasons right behind it. Um, the fact that there's a dwelling uh, indicated in 1905, I think, is an indication of construction. Um, but the fact that it they tried to rezone it to residential in the 1950s, I think, is an indication that it's been used commercially or industrially uh, for, for periods before that time. All of 9th Street has, um, save except save a couple of residents along 9th Street. It is a commercial thoroughfare or, or corridor, I should say. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. I mean, I've grown familiar with this district. Uh, I've, I've grown familiar with the history of it. Um, to suggest that this is exclusively a residence, I think is, or designed to be a residence, I think is uh, not supported by what I've seen in this district or what I see along 9th Street. Um, so I wanted to point that out. Uh, secondarily, I think there's been some discussion about parking and the, the stakeholders in the Warehouse Arts District do have a plan for parking. Um, it is informal still at this point, but there is not a parking problem over there. Um, and I think all of the users within that area uh, would have an agreement about off-street parking to the extent that a parking issue had already been created. Um, there are off-street lots. There is a proposal to allow full public use of off-street lots, but I don't think there is um, the interest in uh, memorializing that proposal until enough users are in this area to soak up the existing public parking. Um, so I, I did want to deposit that potential, you know, that specific issue. Um, the users in this district, the owners in this district are well aware that their concepts, their feasibility is dependent upon supplying parking. Um, it's also dependent upon maintaining good relations with the neighborhood and not allowing parking to bleed into the neighborhood. Um, these are issues capable of being solved by the property owners within the Warehouse Arts District. Thanks. May I comment as well? Uh, briefly, yes. Um, my husband and I um, owned the property um, at 738 Rhode Island. Who's testifying right now? This is Marcy Francisco. Chairperson Schlitzky, I object to this. This is not information. This is just argument now. I make a motion to close public comment. Okay. Is there a second to the mo? Well, is there anyone else in the um, room that would like to comment, first of all? There's no other in-person commenters. Okay. Um, so there's a motion. Is there a second? I'll second that. Motion and second. Um, please call the roll, Luke. A motion to close public comment. Uh, Board Member Hill. Close. Board Member Rankin. Uh, aye. Close it. Board Member Herod. Aye. Board Member Shalinsky. No. Board Member Swearingen. Aye. Board Member Palos. 
I think you might be muted. Could you repeat yourself? Aye. Thank you. Board member Matthews. No. Motion to close public comment carries five to two. Okay. So we have had staff presentation, applicant presentation, and public comment. It is now uh, time for the board to discuss and make a motion. Any discussion? I'll start the discussion. Um, I have concerns um, based on the location of the, you know, the property. And then moreover though, um, my concern is with this, you know, this leased parking lot. Um, it's not a solid lease. Um, anybody, you know, it's a, it's a terminable lease, um, you know, month to month as it were. Um, and I, I just recall um, Lawrence Beer Company, which is just a block away, um, had a whole bunch of parking across the street. And about, I think a couple years after they opened, um, there's a residential um, building there. So Lawrence Beer Company, the, the patrons of, of the of Lawrence Beer Company and the other restaurants a block away could no longer use that as parking. Now there's, for obviously for them, there's a huge parking lot behind the the restaurants so it, it's not as um impactful of an issue but i think to say that you know a a, a leased parking lot is what's kind of hinges on whether or not there's enough parking is highly concerning um because we can't we don't have crystal ball and we can't predict that future and with the way that that area is growing um, I don't know. It, it's I, I just think that the prediction we can't we don't have a crystal ball, and I think that that needs to be considered. Thank you. Other comments? Well, I'm gonna piggyback on that a little bit because I think a lot of the discussion um, has kind of centered around the Warehouse Arts District, but this property is not in the district, it is adjacent to the district. I think the whole area, um, as time goes on, is going to have parking pressures, uh, but this, while it's in the area, is not in the district. And so anything that's done in the district to um, address parking, would not necessarily apply to this property. Um, the other comment that I would make is that 
I'm reminded uh, frequently that um, any variance that is granted for anything, in other words, virtually anything that comes before this board um, may be based on a specific project. It may be based on specific promises. It may be based on specific conditions, but once granted, it is granted in perpetuity for this property for whatever um, future use might um, come to pass. And so that's always something that I keep in mind when making these decisions. Any other comments? Chairperson Shalinsky, I would I would interject this for what it's worth. This property presents to me a little bit of a conundrum where we have a native stone building um, built maybe as long as a hundred years ago or more. It's the kind of building um, that gives Lawrence its character, but at the same time, it's the kind of building we would like to preserve, but at the same time, this building is becoming dilapidated. It was dilapidated two years ago when we were talking about non-conforming use, and it's dilapidated now. We have somebody that wants to go in and breathe new life into this property and keep it existing and keep it relevant, but what do we do with this property? Um, so there's a tension there. Whenever we see an intensification of use, we need to look at it really closely, but there are some arguments to be made that this could be, this could be an appropriate use for this property. It's, it's a tough one. I wish that more of the neighbors had turned out to talk with us um, this evening, but they're not here. So there's some questions that I would like to ask that are not going to be able to be answered by somebody um, that's you know living right next to this or just up the street or something like that. Shalinsky, I'll just jump in on this quick, quiet moment. You had mentioned the uh, expiration or the perpetuity of a, of a variance, and you're correct. And I'm sure you're aware, but I just wanted to be clear. Unless a building permit is submitted for, um, they do expire after 24 months. So if no action is taken, this variance would expire after 24 months. But everything else you said was correct. Okay. Thank you for. Um agreeing with me and correcting me both. Um, other comments from board members? What, what I see is the biggest difference between this one and the town hall project is that already had parking right adjacent to it, that we already know there's been a parking study done on it. 
mean, we had all the downtown area for the, the parking to make up for the spots that they couldn't provide. I'm with Tracy. I'm a little nervous about the lease if they haven't done anything with that property that they're willing to let them park on. What does that mean in like two or three years when they have to put the landscaping or do all the things if it's going to allow them to continue to park there? So that would be my one point I'd want to make. I just feel like it's a different project and there's different things to consider, even though we did approve that one. This one doesn't have that same option of just parking on Mass Street or parking at one of the many parking garages. You know, I just add to that, I, I'm not really great at counting say, counting parking spaces on the north side of 9th Street in particular, but I came up with 14. I, I was a little surprised at that. Uh, and when I thought about it, I mean, some of them were in front of that uh, to be leased parking lot. Uh, some of them were beside the building directly across the street to the north. Uh, others were along where the tortilla factory is, and they have specific parking quite a bit for that building. Um, so as I didn't get very far from the 900 Pennsylvania property, I was surprised at how many spaces were along the street. Anyway, just a comment on that. I'm, I'm still confused about this parking across the street, the 39 spaces of why why they can't use it because there's a lease that's in perpetuity uh, and wouldn't they be required then to come in and do a site plan on it uh, and isn't that a separate issue i mean cannot this project let's say we approved it uh, they'd still have to go through the city luke to get approval for the a site plan for the parking lot is that correct that's correct. So that's another step for them. Uh, can I ask the applicant if they have an interest in that, or is that a fair question? Yeah, I mean, certainly we would be looking at a site plan if we don't get a variance. Um, but to be clear, we are going to use that parking whether or not we get a variance. That parking is going to be used for these patrons it's just not counted uh, for the city's code-related re parking requirements. And yes, it could be terminated upon 90 days notice. Um, and that's the nature of this lease agreement. It is a pay to play though. It's $500 a month to rent this parking. There's no other parking available, no lots to buy. So this, this is the spot, um, but it is slated for future development. All right. Thank you. Um, there, there's no use in site planning uh, a property that's going to be developed in a few years, just to be clear. And the concern from site planning is that it's going to incur, you know, potentially up to $20,000 of expenses to get it landscaped properly. Lighting, fences, um, the, the range of site plan improvements that the city would require. Um, and I said 20,000, but that's probably a light statement. Um, it's probably more than that. Luke? Luke? 
Yes. Yes, just to be clear, you're saying then that even if they did have that parking space, as Patrick has said, the 20, the 39 spaces, the city would not consider that uh, usable without a site plan? Unless they were site planned as a code compliant off street parking area with all of those elements that Pat just noted, landscaping, lighting, surfacing, dimensional standards. If it's just the kind of gravel, torn up cement or, or, or whatever it is right now, that would not be considered compliant off street parking. Okay. Thank you. Other comments from board members? Um, is anyone prepared to make a motion if there's no further discussion? I'll make a motion. Okay. What's your motion? I'm sorry, for a vote. <laughs> Uh, okay, a proper motion for the board to vote on would either be a motion to uh, approve the request, to deny the request, or to um, approve the request um, in part or with some conditions. I think there might be a better way to state state that i think go, go for it think, think of it more black and white tracy it's you can either vote to uphold the staff recommendation or you can vote to grant the variance and our chairperson is right yeah there's certain conditions that we could ask for but it's kind of a narrow lane okay then I then I vote to uphold the staff recommendations. I hold a vote. Okay, so the uh, motion is to uphold the staff recommendation, which is to uh, deny the request or the application. Um, is there a second for that motion? I'll second that motion. Excuse me? I said, uh, Board Member Rankin, I'll second that motion. Okay, so there is a motion and a second. Um, staff, would you please call the roll? And, and just to clarify, a yes vote is to uphold the staff recommendation which to deny the, the request, variance. a no vote um, is against that motion. Uh, and if the no's prevailed, then we could consider a different motion. Okay, um, staff, please call the roll. Okay, so a motion to uphold staff recommendation, which is to deny. Board member Hill. No. Board member Rankin. Yes. Board member Herod. 
No. Board member Shalinsky. Yes. Board member Swearingen. No. Board member Palos. No. Board member Matthews. Yes. The motion fails four to three. Okay. Um, Mr. Chairperson, I make a motion if you would allow me. Yes, please. Mr. Po Mr. Chairperson, I would make a motion to um, grant the variance as requested, finding that the five conditions allowing it have been met. I'll second that. I think we just lost our chairperson again. He looks like it. he was able to jump on last time, so let's give him a minute. Can someone um, let me know what the motion was because I froze up? Uh, Tracy, I made a motion to grant the variance as requested by the applicant, um, finding that the five conditions allowing the granting of variance um, have been met. You made a motion to grant the variance, yes? Correct. Okay, thank you. It's still, my, I'm having the same problem as Barry is having, so I apologize. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm admitting him back in right now. Okay, so uh, board member Herod, if you might just repeat again one more time the, that last motion you had um, entered. If you would permit chairperson, would that be all right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Okay. I'm so sorry. It looks like I'm going to have to just haul myself down to City Hall next time if I can't get my internet connection to work better. Uh, yeah, so staff has requested that I repeat my motion. So I have made a motion to grant the variance as requested by the applicant, finding that the five, connect, five conditions allowing us to do so have been met. And I do not believe there's been a second. Okay, I asked for a second, but maybe people did not hear that because I froze. So is there a second? Yes, this is Dean Palos. I would like to second it and 
And I just would like to add that I'm struck by the fact that the city approved the rezoning with the understanding of what was implied by the application for this. Um, and I think uh, that in, that's, that's a strong indication to me that there is a desire for this development to go forward. So that's why I'm seconding this. Okay, thank you. Uh, will staff please call the roll? Okay, a motion to approve as approve the variance as requested by the applicant. Board member Hill. Yay. Board member Rankin. No. Board member Herod. Aye. Board member Shalinsky. No. Board member Swearingen. Sorry, I, I, I didn't find the button. Board member Palos. Aye. Board member Matthews. No. The motion carries four to three. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for sitting through a long deliberation. Thank you all for your time. And um, we have um, an additional miscellaneous agenda item for the board, which is to approve a revised proposed um, meeting and submittal calendar for 2023. Has everyone had an opportunity to look at that attachment? And Chair Shalinsky, I will just note, um, you previously approved this back in November. Um, we noticed once we started uh, receiving uh, February's submittals that there were some errors with the submittal deadlines. So we've revised those. The meeting dates are not changing. This is correcting uh, a few submittal deadlines. We're honoring both calendars. Um, there was two conflicting calendars and we're honoring both deadlines for folks that wanna come in on the February meeting. So at this point, we are looking at one item in February and then approving this calendar is not changing any meeting dates. It's just correcting the submittal dates. Okay, very good. Um, any questions or if not, would anyone like to make a motion? I would move to approve the calendar as proposed by staff. Do we have a second? I'll second. Okay, moved by Herod, seconded by Hill. Uh, staff, would you please call the roll? All right, a motion to approve the revised 2023 meeting calendar. Uh, board member Hill. Yes. Board member Rankin. Yes. Board member Herod. Aye. Board member Shalinsky. Yes. Board member Swearingen. Yes. Board member Palos. Aye. Board member Matthews. Aye. Motion carries seven to zero. 
Okay, thank you. Um, is there any other business to come before the board tonight? Nope, not, uh, not anymore on the agenda. Uh, hearing no additional business, I would entertain a motion to adjourn this meeting. So moved. Moved by Travis Herod. Do we have a second? Looks like uh, Tressa Hill was raising her hand to do that. Okay. Uh, we uh, have a motion and a second. Uh, staff, will you please call the roll? Yes, a motion, motion to, to adjourn. Yes, a motion to adjourn. Board Member Hill. Yes. Board Member Rankin. Yes. Board Member Herod. Aye. Board Member Shalinsky. Yes. Board, board Member Swearingen. Yes. Board Member Palos. Aye. And Board Member Matthews. Aye. Thanks, everyone. We are Thank adjourned. You. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.